Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And welcome everybody into the Mind Sculptors. I'm your host, Callahan. And uh, we've got a great roster of uh, co-hosts for today's show. Um, but before we get to that, uh, just a reminder to make sure you go and check us out on Patreon. Uh, there are two different uh, tiers at the moment where you can subscribe, get access to our Discord server, and also, you know, if we get enough in that tier, uh, a production credit in the credits. Um, but with that... Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome back uh, to the show, Cobblepot. How are you doing today? Doing well. How's it going? Not too bad. Um, really glad to have you back. And uh, also returning is Pongo. Pongo, how's it going? Doing well. Awesome. And uh, making his first appearance on the show is a good friend of ours from Into the North is uh, Spleenface. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you in. Um, so today we've, we've been talking on Discord about, you know, topics we want to talk about, all these sorts of things, and we've kind of all come together uh, on this discussion of where are the three color combinations in Commander right now, because especially with the printing of Commander Legends, we have seen certainly an insur an insurgence i think is the word i'm looking for of these three color decks that are built around some of these new partners that have come out and uh, obviously these color uh, combinations have or excuse me these color i guess combinations these color pairing no pairing's not the right word wedges anyway, shards these combinations of colors i was saying it correctly to begin with i don't know <laughs> anyway um, they've always been around and they, they've always come, you know, like Abzan's always had like Anafenza and these different things. Um, but now we're really coming to a point where we're seeing a lot more variety in, in these, in these, uh, combinations. So we're going to kind of take a look and kind of survey where all of them are at right now. Um, and so, uh, starting us off, speaking of Abzan, uh, so Spleen is going to do, uh, go ahead and talk to us a little bit about Abzan. Okay, but before I do, I feel like I just have to object that these are in what appears to be alphabetical and not proper color order, but... Uh, <laughs> They're actually yeah. not even in alphabetical order, because we switched it around based on oh, who's going to hold my the goodness. for each of them. <laughs> Just to make it more... Okay, I'm never coming on here again. Never mind. <laughs> so in uh, no particular order? So in, in no, no particular. particular order. Yeah, so, so Abzan is definitely a color that has, like, a pretty long history in in cedh like there was the old boon weaver carador decks um and then more recently it's had kind of a dual nature um there's been like these very low to the ground uh creature focused ad nause uh type strategies that we've seen um 
there's like a you know a farm build with Timna and usually Ikra. Um, there's like the Tyam deck. Uh, th- I believe Lurker also made one of his Gave Brews was like the super fast ad nauseum uh, powered deck. But then there's also been the evolution of what was Boonweaver Carador that became this sort of mid rangey, not quite stacks, but definitely hate bears heavy creature focused, like slower, not on the stack. Uh, often with, like, a reanimator element uh, sort of archetype. Um, Some people played, like, Anafenza in the Hulk days just because it was nice to have a Hulk (laughs) piece in the command zone. Um, And then, uh, you know, people have played, like, things like Timna, Siddhar, Kondo. um, And then there's also, like, a, you know, you can build Gave like that. Um, But, yeah, it's got... uh, a lot of the it's got like the the tutors from black um and then you have the the creature synergies uh with green and then the black and green creature synergies that enables that sort of reanimate stuff um and then that pairs nicely with like the creature selection and the access pairs very nicely with the reanim with um hate bears from white and you get your abrupt decay and uh and assassin's trophy so you do actually have access to like the the very good generic removal most importantly Uh, though you get access to generous gift oh right yeah (laughs) and beast within oh my goodness you're just how could you forget in with gas and Um, ablation (laughs) oh oh man yeah you you use ablation with the thassa's oracle trigger on the stack right that's the right um you never see it coming but uh yeah so then then you have like Obviously, when you're outside of blue, uh, you lose out on counterspells, which are obviously a huge part of CEDH. Uh, and you lose out on a decent amount of the defensive counterspells by losing red. You don't have your SWAT, you don't have your blasts. Um, green has been getting a little bit more of that recently with, you know, Destiny Spinner, um, uh, Allosaurus Shepherd, Shepherd, and obviously Veil of Summer. Um, but. It's definitely not a color combination that plays super well on the stack. Uh, and most of the time you do have to win with some sort of permanent-based combo, um, which means that you really struggle to win at instant speed, barring, like, exactly Hulk shenanigans. Um, do you see Hulk as... I, I know that the sick robot has, is one of the... The, the last vestiges, I think, in the community of people that are, you know, kind of holding on to, to still trying to make Hulk work, even outside of having access to Flash. Um, do you feel like Hulk still has a place in the metagame? Absolutely. It's worth noting. Um, I think that, so one, one of the big things that um, people, like, that was pointed out, I didn't actually notice this when I first looked at Commander Legends, but... Um, Oh man, I can't remember whose list it is, and I'm sorry um, for whoever came up with the idea that I can't credit you. But uh, a Timna Halana deck, the green partner that um, whenever a creature enters, you can pay two, and if you do, it fights something. Oh, um, yeah. So, I mean, Timna's obviously very strong in the command zone. And then Halana's actually, like, pretty decent as a control element. You can just be removing, like, people's 
problematic creatures just by playing your own creatures. Or sorry, I don't think it's a fight. It's a it's a punch. Like it just deals damage equal to that its creature power. deals damage yeah. equal to its power to target creature. Yeah. Um. Okay. But also that means you have like it's not a great sack outlet in the command zone for Hulk, but it does let you like if you have that in play and you have the two mana. When the Hulk comes in, you can just have it deal damage equal to its power to itself, um, which means that you, like, you don't lose the consistency to the same degree, um, where like you always have to be finding your Viscerer or Carrion Feeder or like one of the artifact ones, um, because you have this like, obviously subpar but still decent backup in the command zone as a sack outlet for Hulk. Um, and then, like, your first trigger gets you a real sack outlet, and then you just go from there. Um, so that's, like, I think that's, whoa, this, sorry, Galbo, your video just went crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, like, something that's kind of interesting, and it'll be interesting to see where people go with that. If maybe instead of Razaketh, people look into Hulk, especially because... Um, right now, I think the stacks pieces that you really, really want to be running are rule of law type effects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which Razaketh, obviously you can sacrifice the creature ones to Razaketh, uh, but you can't sacrifice literal rule of law to Razaketh, and it's often difficult to remove uh, deafening silence. Um, Claws of Gix. Yeah, so, <laughs> so potentially that, that. that could be like... A finisher to look into for like the more hate bear reanimator type uh abzan decks in the future where do we think that the abzan is positioned right now kind of in in the context of what the other lists are and i mean we're gonna start talking about the other color combinations here but um it's it's not it's not certainly not the fastest color combination based on you know the type of win cons that has available to us it seems like it wants to play kind of a grindier game because um i mean really the the best tools that it has for combating the metagame are going to be kind of hate bear oriented kind of things and um you know it's it's going rather than trying to outrun what the other what the other color combinations are going to be doing it's going to look to try to bring everybody else down and break parity through whatever stacks pieces it's doing um do we feel like it has the 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 chops to be able to be the color combination that people choose moving forward so i think that it is one of the ones that's best positioned as an anti-meta color combination um i think that up until say the flash ban having red so you could play uh, things like Pyroclasm was like one of the big sort of anti-meta uh, strengths, but now I think the meta has shifted away from green and towards red um, and away from creatures and towards artifact artifacts and Abzan is definitely a color that really doesn't need to be playing artifacts, like you have your creature acceleration, you're not trying to go super fast, so you're, you're still obviously going to be running, you know, like Crypt and, and Sol Ring and Diamond and Chrome probably, but you don't need to be running two mana rocks, you don't need to be running things like even things like Lotus Petal um, right. And if you vault. don't have red, 
if you don't have red, chances are you might also be looking at collector oof and null yeah, rod to be right. exactly like and and you're in like absent as a color combination, um, like green and black is very good for supporting collector oof because you have access to just so many tools to actually find it and get it into play, and then white has a bunch of things that then you can layer on top, um, which which will synergize. Um, well with sort of being anti-artifact and anti-storm uh, the one sort of downside is that your win condition is almost certainly going to involve the graveyard in some way which means um, it might be hard to hate on specifically underworld breach um, though you could look at there's a couple effects that primarily stop casting things from graveyards like I think ashes of the abhorrent is one Drainage um, as well yeah, Dran um, I mean Dranith is already asymmetrical. Um right. but yeah, like effects like that. Um or uh one one card that I've like been meaning to put in a deck at some point is uh is Dryad Militant, which is the one that only exiles <laughs> instants and sorceries. Right. Yeah. Um as like I've, a, I've as anti tech, right? Right. Um right. depending on how deep you want to go, although it's symmetrical, <laughs> there is Kenoros uh the hound is that right. one cast only does that or does it stop reanimation it i believe it, stops it also reanimation. stops reanimation yeah, yeah like, it's symmetrically is yeah that's kind of the, the issue like i think you don't want like that's why you i didn't you know say you play cage and rest in peace right because right you're probably reanimating either hulk or razaketh or some you... and and cage also like stops things coming in from the library right which which shuts off a lot of the green toolbox creature package Kenoros is one of those pieces that, that could see play in this color package um, under something that's more like kind of that, that bad farm. Um, I, mean, I mean, generally, you know, Abzan is not going to be trying to, to outrace everybody, but it still can do, you have the bad farm build that's there, and you kind of, uh, you know, I mean, it's having... Going... Oh, yeah, I think, that, I think that that's a build that, I won't necessarily say will, because that's always hard to predict, but maybe should uh, wane in popularity a little bit, because, I, I like, you're just not getting the new tools for that archetype, right? Like, those tools are in red. Um, and, and we'll get to that, too, because there's, there's a particular Hulk, or uh, not Hulk, uh, farm build that I've been working on uh, in with red for farm. Um but you know, and I, it, I, I think it's interesting because with, you know, all of this, you know, and all that being said, you know, Abzan, as far as these kind of mid-range strategies, really does feel like it is well positioned in its ability to hate on things, but also not perfectly positioned. If that makes any, like it's, it's in a good spot, spot, but not great, um, is kind of my take well, on it. Yeah, I think that like we're just not. We haven't found the right, like, mix of things that really stop what your opponents are doing but don't over-interfere with you. Like, for example, right. <laughs> my signature, my go-to card for this is Hushbringer, where it's like, man, Hushbringer is actually, like, so, you know, it shuts down Dockside, it shuts down Oracle, and, like, that's right. enough, honestly, for that card. But then it always interferes with whatever it is you're trying to do right. as well, and then that becomes a problem. And I think Abzan doesn't quite have the density of 
hate pieces that can run against the like Nas Breach console archetype that don't slow itself down too much. Right. Right. Um, Internal consistency seems like a problem. And, And I mean, obviously if you're like the one person playing a stacks deck and everyone else is playing turbo Nas, like they're going to remove your stacks pieces and then one of them's going to win. Right. Right. So like there's, there's no color that can sort of solo counter three other people on whatever archetype you're trying to fight. It's like, worth mentioning. For, uh, yeah. For, for Abzan as well. And in, in particular, uh, when it comes to hate bears, you kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier, Morgan. But uh, a lot of the time, you can, especially if they're creatures, you can run certain effects that can be disruptive to yourself uh, with the intention of sacrificing them down the line uh, to sort of unlock your own lines while disrupting people from theirs. So I think, you know, in theory, that is an option that is available to certain Abzan commanders. It's not one that's obviously like widely available to every Abzan commander because not every Abzan commander is going to be playing sack outlets but if we take like gave as a good example or you know gave is a sack outlet in the command zone historically that's a deck that has played uh you know symmetrical stacks pieces that have interfered with its own game plan um with the intention of eventually sacrificing them to to gave himself yeah that's that's definitely true um so gave is oh i'm sorry um it's it's one of those 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 cards that has seen a lot of historical play do you see that as being something that you would expect to see at a contemporary table um no i i not really i think that it's like five meta commanders really either have to do something without having to put any additional resources into them like like crom where it's like you cast crom and then he draws you cards and you you don't have to put mana into it or you know use it or syner- build it to synergize with other cards um or they have to do just something like absolutely insane that you do actually have to put effort into and i think gave does something decent that you have to put effort into and so like it's hard to justify like tapping you know playing like the jeweled lotus into gave on like turn two versus jeweled lotus into crom on turn two like you the gave resolves and you're like okay now what how am i taking <laughs> advantage of this gave whereas like the crom resolves and you're like all right i'll start pressuring the adnos player and then this is going to be passively drawing me cards and then i'm going to play the rest of my deck that isn't built to like support this right this was just like it doesn't require any contingencies. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't require any contingencies. It doesn't require you to have more pieces. Um, and, yeah, like, Gave, you know, more casual players think of Gave as, like, oh, the the combo commander. But all of his combos are actually bad. If You're, like, if <laughs> you're you, not wrong. <laughs> if you go and actually look at what you have to do to combo with Gave, it involves running, like, one of there's like not that many cards that let you turn either the counters or the the creatures into mana so like they're all like these two cards plus the commander with a total cost of like 12 combos that right like you don't actually like gave combos are are not really competitively viable though i feel like they might 
seeing as they've done it many, many times in the past, I wouldn't put it past them to, uh, to print some really good Gave combo pieces. Just ac possibly accidentally. Like, Cryptic Trilobite is a start, for sure. Um, so we might get more in the future. Yeah, Wizards does like printing things that do things when they die, or, you know, involve counters to some extent, particular in ab particularly in abs and colors. You know, every time they give something to um, Atraxa, you know, a lot of the time that ends up being a, a Gave card as well. So, totally, uh, I, I, I look forward to potentially getting something that would theoretically break Gave in the future. Yeah. Well, uh... Absian's one of my favorite colors, so if they it, it does really well, I will be uh, very happy about it. But um, on to my other uh, new favorite color pairing. Um, with the printing of Jessica, I have gotten really high on Mardu. Um, and so Mardu is what we're going to be talking about next as we kind of explore these wedges. Um, so Cobble, kind of give us an overview of what are the strengths, weaknesses, and what is what is Mardu really trying to do right now? Okay, so um, similar to Abzan, Mardu is lacking blue. So <laughs> it, I mean, it's, I mean, that's just one of the first things to consider when you're when you're looking at right. that color combination. You're you're not going to have the same type of stack based interaction as uh, the colors that are, are are going to be playing in in, in the blue side of the pool. Uh, but what it does have is it still has the you know all all of the the the, the black tutors is is the main thing. So you're you're going to be able to reliably assemble whatever win con it is that you're 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 looking to assemble. Um, being in black, it's also going to have uh, a strong support for you know recursion strategies, reanimation sort of strategies, which is also bolstered by the fact that it has red. Um, so underworld breach is also going to 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 dovetail. Uh, well into that um you've got you know with 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 white you can put together especially you know under under the the, the farm archetypes you you've got these low to the ground uh, packages where you've got a lot of you know kind of low cost creatures which you can attack a lot of them are lifelinking types of creatures that allow you to uh, maintain kind of a buoyancy from a life point of view so that you can prof profitably do your adnaws or, you know, your big necropotence or, or those types of things. Um, in the Oktoberfest tournament, uh, Bad Dog, who has run for, for years and years, has run a, a Kalia list that he's been kind of making faster and faster where people for for a long time never really gave a lot of respect to Kalia because it was always viewed as a a very casual oriented kind of you know slow moving battle cruiser sort of deck um he turned a lot of heads when he you know made it to the final table with that and um it is playing in, in a lot of the, the this the same types of philosophies where you're keeping your 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 life high and then using things like, you know, Children of Corliss or, you know, other ways to create huge life swings that you can then convert into an enormous grip of cards 
um, in that particular case, they're using like Villus. So he's, you know, you reanimate Villus, get Villus into play, and then do a plunge into darkness or like a fire covenant or something like that, paying 35 life at instant speed to draw, you know, for, so it's, it, it winds up actually being, you know, um, better. A slightly cheaper Nas. Right, right. So it's, 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 it's a Nas that actually draws you more cards and happens at, at a lower startup cost and you know that kind of thing so there, there there's there's a bunch of different ways where uh mardu allows you to kind of play either a very explosive fast low to the ground kind of turbo nause uh type of of game or blend into that kind of a reanimator type of game that's that's also extremely explosive You've got access to red, so you've got Dockside, and you've got, uh, you know, Culling the Weak. You, you've got all, all of your um, ways of reanimating and, you know, re- recurring your Dockside in, in, in that sort of way. You've got Razaketh, where you can, uh, I know it's, I don't, I don't know if people do it as often as they used to. Oh, I mean, sure, you've got Peer into the Abyss as well, but... Um, I've, I've still, I still see people with Dockside Extortionist, Razaketh, and Corpse Dance, where, you know, you have a couple of the, the, the farm creatures that you had, you reanimate your, your Razaketh, and you go and get your Dockside, and you sacrifice the Dockside to go and get Corpse Dance, and then now, as, as long as you're making at least five treasures per loop, then you can assemble anything that you want and go infinite with your mana, and... It's. I, I think that the 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 updates that we've seen in red over the past year, over the past twelve months in particular, where we've gotten you know Jessica's will, we've gotten all of the you know the dockside underworld breach, all all of the tools that have made red much much more explosive than it's been. Um, it it has really shifted a lot of the focus, where before. You know, you you know, black and blue have always been really powerful, and red for a long time has been something that was, uh, you know, kind of, you know, set aside as, as 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 not being strong enough to to warrant being a color that people pursued. That has changed in the past twelve months, and people, you know, are are now making Mardu decks because of uh, the the power that just red on its own is, is now bringing to the table. Now we couple that with Roger, who has now come onto the scene, <laughs> who, speaking of being able to have this explosivity, this really low to the ground, really, really fast startup time, you've got Roger now, so you can have you know, Springleaf Drum in your you know, Mox Amber and you know, all, all of the things that we were talking about that you saw that were typical of, of farm decks that are now you know, able to be pulled off on turn one very reliably because he doesn't cost anything plus also having you know the ability to have your 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 free counter magic live on turn one very very deterministically uh, it's 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 gotten extremely compelling and it's it's uh, i there's you know you got timna bruce which is your your standard farm but now we're seeing you know timna and roger we're seeing timna and jessica we're seeing various you know, flavors of Kalia, and, and there's, there's a lot of experimentation that's happening 
in this color combination. And I think that there's good reason for people to be here. Timna, Timna Jessica, and I can say this from some experience playing that deck some, um, as far as the like Mardu farm lists, in my opinion, uh, is the way to go if you're going to be playing Mardu farm, uh, because it lets you play. So the one downside I see of playing uh, Roger in uh, in Mardu is that you because like the whole thing is right like it's really good in Grixis because of all the stuff Grixis has in Mardu you lose a lot of that and so now you have to come up with how am I doing my win cons how am I doing all these different things and you kind of have to get creative with it which is fine. But the nice thing with Jessica is you have the win con in the command zone. So you just have to be very singularly focused on how do I create infinite mana um, and that or deal infinite damage of some sort and, and or deal enough to win the game. And it's has mu- it has more avenues to its game plan success than the Roger list does, in my opinion. Um, just because Tim, I mean, Tim out of the command zone. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have watched this or not, but I mean, there was a game I was playing with that where, I mean, I had one of us down to like five or something life after Sarah ascendant swings with Jessica. And then that makes your nauses even better. Um, so, I mean, with, with, with me, I, I think Mardu was a color in my estimation that before the, Commander Legends was fine. Like it wasn't great. Tim the Bruise was a thing. Uh, Kalia was successful, um, but it w- didn't have anything super spectacular about it. I think now that you have Roger as a viable commander and you have Jessica as a viable commander, that opens up so many different avenues for what you can do in a more consistent fashion. And uh, I think that just really puts Mardu at the uh, is a lot better positioned now, in my opinion, than it was three months ago. Yeah, I, I think this is these are all true points. Um, as far as you know, looking at the color uh, triad holistically um, goes, you know, I, I look at sort of this core of black and red, the Rakdos core, and and you know, it, it kind of just. I would say is a very strong combination to have for any kind of unfair strategy you want to be pursuing. Um, obviously, both of those colors tend to contribute a lot in terms of fast mana. Uh, both of those colors, uh, you know, give you a lot of tools for explosiveness, whether it be through Dockside or you know just Wheel of Fortune effects or you know uh, other rituals that both colors have, as well as tutors. Um, you know, if we look at particular commanders as examples, like. Kalia, for instance, um, you know we're talking about a commander that that does something that is actually like quite broken when you you know look at it at the surface, which is you know theoretically it cheats on mana by by a great deal. You know you can you can kind of look at Kalia as kind of like a ritual as well as protection, all rolled into one. You know if she's able to cheat in an eight drop demon, um, you know that's that's quite good. You know that's like kind of like show and tell. Um, or, or, or sneak sneak attack, I should say. <laughs> um, right. It's it's playing along the line of uh, evading the so the, the the people that that are looking to disrupt ad nauseum, the people that are looking to disrupt kind of like the, the the main line ways that people get to victory. 
they're going to be holding a grip full of counter magic. And any way that you can get your win cons into play without needing to cast spells. I mean, we talk, we see this with Kenrith. We see this with, like you were saying, you know, sneak attack or those sorts of things. Um, Kalia being able to put Vilis or Razaketh into play without a cast reduces the surface area that people have for interacting with that happening. And so if they've, if, if Kalia was able to get onto the battlefield, now it's too late. They don't really have a lot of the, the interaction that they've got in abundance is now not going to be useful for them Theore- to theoretically. overcome the game. It, it depends what your yes. follow-up um, after putting something like a Razaketh into play is, for example. Uh, you you right. might end up having to expose yourself kind of in a similar way. But at the end of the day, if you end, you know, if you, if you don't make it there, but you, you kind of pass the turn with a Razaketh in play, then your recovery options are quite excellent in general. So, right. so you know, you could do worse. Um you could do worse than having just a, a Razaketh in play. Um, so, you know, there's that. Uh, if we look at some of the other commander options, uh, you know, we look at like Timna Bruce, for example, or, you know, Timna Jessica more recently. Um, you know, I think we're talking about something pretty similar here where we are talking more or less about a Rakdos core, uh, where, again, and I think you see it a little bit more here, um, you kind of get white filling in sort of the blanks, um, you know, giving you a few additional tools that, uh, you know, you would need to, you know, fill out the 99 with, or the 98 in this case, with uh, acceptable power level type cards. Um, and in addition, you know, we've kind of had, have, we have this strategy that in many ways is propped up by, uh, by Timna. Um, and, you know, kind of like goes hand in hand with Timna, where, you know, you end up playing, again, we were talking about sort of these uh, lifelink type attackers, you know, small creatures that, you know, will get in for Timna and in addition, you know, might also bolster your Adnaz plans. So, you know, it ends up being like a pretty synergistic type three color combination if we're, we're talking about specifically the, the Timna style decks. Right. And, and as, as the, uh, just, just to say real quickly, you know, as the... Um, the free interaction suite has, you know, gotten better and better. Yes. Um, the ability to have silence effects, the ability to have, you know, grand abolisher, and you know, those sorts of things that that are largely the purview of white um, has become more valuable, mm-hmm. I think, for being able to keep everybody else uh, out of what it is that you're doing. Right. And I think the, you know, white you know final point here is you know white kind of is the rug that ties the room together in a lot of respects you know providing sort of those small creatures with lifelink to make your sort of long-term adnaz is better you know providing timna almost specifically um but in addition you know providing a lot of removal tools that uh, red and black don't actually have access to uh giving you options to be the type of hate that would normally uh, disrupt your strategies if you were in like pure Rakdos. For example, a rest in peace is extremely inconvenient if you're playing black red. Perhaps a little bit less inconvenient now that we're in 2020 and for whatever reason black gets to remove enchantments. But historically, <laughs> historically, you know, enchantments being very inconvenient for Rakdos uh, and white, you know, having some part to play and being able to deal with, uh, you know, that type of hate. And I, will, and I will say before we move on that, you know, when this discussion i do think white in mardu 
I could make an argument that I do think that it is, if not more impactful, it is better served in this color pairing than I feel like it is in Abzan, where, you know, black green can work on its own just fine. It doesn't need white to really make it work. Um, I mean, Sick Robots played Veral's Hulk to, you know, some pretty good success recently. And, you know, white and Mardu, in my opinion, is, I don't, I feel like it's more essential to the success of the game plan than it is in, like, any, like, like Abzan, for instance. Well, I think the, the big thing is that, the like, a lot of the, the Timnadongers in Mardu are white. Um, right. And, like, you can run those in Abzan, but you can run dorks, um, which are, like, have such a high utility case. Right. Like, if you're if you're on Timna and Razaketh, and, like, then, like, dorks are actually just, like, they, they're, like, a triple threat in your deck. They're mana, right. they're yeah. card draw, and they're combo pieces all right. at the same time. And, like, not running, like... You know, Hope of Giraper is, like, a fine card. But it's not a card that you're, like, stoked about running. Which is why you never, ever see it in four... Or very rarely see it in four or five color lists. Um, right. But you see dorks all the time in those lists because they... Like, having that... Whatever... You know, however many you can run in your color combination, five or six... One mana accelerants that don't feed fish and don't feed dockside is actually huge. Um, right. And dovetails with Timna and Razaketh very nicely in a way that, like, Mardu has to look a little bit deeper and, like, work a little bit harder to enable that. Yeah, I mean, Mardu definitely has to kind of go all in in the uh, the artifact acceleration, like, avenue, right? Because it's you don't have green to ramp you up. I mean, how else are you getting there? I mean, I guess you can try like reliably, like relying on Dockside, but I don't think that's very good. And that's definitely a, a weakness of it is it just kind of has to sit there and, you know, throw out artifacts in order to really play the game. Um, which is but fair. If you're, if you are running those hope of gear and those Sarah, uh, ascendants and those sorts of things, and you have Timna as your, your commander, you are generating enough card advantage just right. off of those most of the time to be able to compensate in some way that you're seeing more cards and you have a better chance of, of hitting some of those uh, other means that you have access to for right. acceleration. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think at their core, these are, you know, almost mono black decks. You know, they're, <laughs> they're very much doing like sort of black things in terms of their strategy. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of reanimation, a lot of ritual effects, a lot of, you know, abusing their tutors to, for consistency to actually, you know, have uh, a significant amount of depth as far as, you know, the, the tools they have access to are concerned. Uh, then, you know, if we're looking at red and white as support colors, well, red is, you know, I think, uh, you know, kind of making its way beyond just being a support color. In red is getting really good. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And then and then finally, you've, you've got white, where, you know, white is kind of lending a few things here, but uh, is definitely, I would say, you know, largely, largely we're, we're leaning on Timna here. Certainly. 
I think um, red's kind of in a weird spot because it it still like doesn't actually have a particularly high density of playables, but the ones it has are like so like it's hard to call bananas. it bananas. It's hard to call it a core <laughs> color when like I don't know how many red cards is Mad Farm running right. Like, right. It doesn't have a lot of depth as a, a color on its own. Yeah, I, like, I don't know that right. I totally agree with that because, like, Jessica Timna, I mean, you're looking at 38% is black, 32% is red, and 30% is white. I mean, it's fairly even across the board. Uh, right. I mean, it. what are you running, um, like, what are, what are you running that, like, ups the red? Is this, sorry, is this pips or is this uh, cards? Pips specifically but i mean like cards also i mean it's not that far off on cards it's pretty even across the board like Um, i I mean so i'm looking at i'm looking at mad farm just because that's the fastest one i could pull up right and it's running 12 red cards um which like is really not very many in a hundred card list um it's playing like 25 or so 25 26 black cards but like obviously you know breach and docks breach and dockside are are like huge right um yeah. i think jessica's will is also going to be jessica's will is going to yeah. start being counted yeah. among but like, those I three guess, what i was saying is that like well pips is like an incredibly misleading thing to look at too because as soon as you have a card with two pips on it you're essentially doubling your count and yeah. white cards tend to have double pips well, even so, even looking you have like at the, half as many cards. So even <laughs> looking at just the amount of cards, so there's 16 white cards, 19 white cards, 16 red cards. So I mean, it, and especially with the resurgence of cards like where we've seen Final Fortune really take up, be, see a lot more play. Just even in five color strategies, I I just think red is significantly more well positioned in general. I don't think it's quite a core color; it's a solid fourth, but. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think saying that white is just there as, as just filling is necessarily fair. No, no, that, that wasn't, that wasn't what I was saying. I was saying that like when you're filling a deck, like when you put in, you know, you put in like the, like the last 10 cards of a deck are right. often not going to be, like, the red cards that you're reaching for. Like, with green, you just fill it with, like, some creature synergy pieces. With right. blue, you just fill with, like, cantrips and, and counterspells. Where, like, it's very easy. If you if you were given, like, a 90-card list and, and told, fill this with blue cards, you would, like, not have an issue doing that. That's Whereas with fair. red, yeah, yeah. you probably would. But, like, the red cards are so core to the deck... That it, it feels weird to call it a support color, even if you're only playing, like, a very tight package of red cards. Mm-hmm. Like, right. with white, I, I'm pretty comfortable calling it a support color in Mardu, or in Abzan, for that matter. But, right. like, with red, it's like, okay, yes, you you might be playing less of it than you are, say, the black cards, but then, like, can you really call the deck that has, like... Or the color that has, like, Breach and Dockside, which are, like, your two <laughs> primary enablers, like a support color. Yeah, the, the red cards just tend to be so much more impactful. 
Yeah, I guess maybe this is, like, a point that fits better in Grixis, where, like, the Grixis decks are hugely tilted towards blue and black, and yet the red cards are, like, still super critical. But it's Well, moving on uh, to a a, a deck that doesn't have red in it um, is uh, the next kind of one in the wedge circle is Soltai. And uh, we, we... Pongo and I discussed this a little bit in our in our tier list video um, in episode, and we were being a little satirical in that episode, just a little, just a um, little, just a little bit. Um, but you know, Pongo, just kind of go over for me what what is Soul Tie at? Where is it at? You know, is it still kind of the best color combination as we had thought it was previously? Right, so the Sultai Wedge slash Combination slash Triad slash Shard, whatever you want to call it. Don't, don't, don't say the don't last one. Definitely don't want to call it a Shard. <laughs> <laughs> don't, and don't say Pairing either. Um, yeah, so for a very long, long time, I would say uh, in sort of recent CEDH history, and, you know, even a little bit before that, um, you know, going back into, you know, like 2017, 2016, uh, a, a lot of people would have definitely argued i would say wholeheartedly and with few reservations that Grixis or sorry that Soltai was the uh the the best combination of colors you could possibly be in uh you know some of the strengths of Soltai are the fact that you've got you know a high uh density of turn one acceleration you know with mana dorks if you choose to run them if you're not playing you know something a little bit more uh stormy you know that might want to lean into rocks or perhaps something that's going to you know, like run board wipes or something, because you also get access to those. Um, generally speaking, you know, if you're playing green, though, you're you're playing these additional pieces of turn one acceleration, um, which you know lend you a ton of stability to your mulligans. Uh, you have as an additional bonus very strong tutor support uh, in black, as you know any uh, CDH deck running black has. But in addition, if you're playing sort of creature based strategies. Um, you get tutors from green uh, and you know most decks these days that are in blue you know the third part of the Sultai triad uh, you know they're playing Thassa's Oracle so you're playing at least one creature that you pretty much want every game which kind of implies that you know you can freely lean into those creature tutors and expect them to be good so even if you're not really playing you know quote-unquote creature combos you know you are playing a combo that involves a creature so you get to play your things like Neoform, and you know theoretically you can run stuff like your Eldritch Evolution, your Worldly Tutor as well. Um, you know, going further, uh, obviously in Sultai you get access to a ton of card advantage. Uh, you know, through black and through blue. Um, you know, green also gives you some with Sylvan Library as well. Um, you know, depending on what commanders you're playing, uh, you might have additional sources of card advantage. But we'll get into that a little bit later down the line. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, you have kind of what, I, I think we can probably say you have the best interaction suite possible in magic, uh, you know, black green giving you essentially the ability to destroy anything. And then you also have blue, which allows you to interact on the stack. So Sultai has all the tools, um, you know, to, to deal with any threat. You also have bounce spells if you absolutely need those as well. Um, and you have board wipes from black, so you can you can answer just about anything. 
um, and you have finally, you know, access to reanimation spells and you're playing green. So um, that means that you have not only access to a lot of powerful, you know, theoretical reanimation targets or, you know, kind of more mid-rangey type creatures that you might want to reanimate. But in addition, you also have access to mana dorks, which can feed what is probably the strongest reanimation target in CDH, Razaketh. Um, and that's, you know, obviously a very, very powerful thing to have when you're playing Razaketh based strategies, because, you know, like we were talking about before, and as Morgan put it so eloquently, uh, they're kind of like a triple threat. Um, so yeah, you have a huge list of strengths, uh, and you know, what, what do you have as far as weaknesses go? <laughs> Morgan, what do you think? I mean, so obviously like Breach and Dockside, um, are insanely strong cards and breach dockside and wheel and i guess probably jessica's will uh that we'll be seeing more of are what like some of the fastest uh combo enablers or like sorry some of the cards that enable the fastest combo decks um so it's possible that sultai is just sort of capped on like it will struggle to be the fastest sort of turbo like Nas consult type deck though in my experience um food chain is actually like pretty much as fast as the turbo Nas. i goldfished an absurd number of uh of games with uh kazura nakima and was getting like the turn three consistency was was like seventy percent with like a solid number of turn twos as well, um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's slightly it's slightly slower. And then um, playing creatures, I mean, obviously they're summoning sick, which is annoying, and it it opens you up to um, people hating on creature strategies, but uh, I think that that's decently manageable. And you can always diversify. Like, there's nothing in Sultai that precludes you from playing artifacts. If you're playing a fast-ish brew, playing a, a mix of artifacts and creatures for your mana means that you're somewhat diversified against people hating on one or the other. Yeah. Um, you know, very, very good points. I, I guess we could probably sum that up as, you know... Um, a lot of these Sultai type strategies tend to lend themselves better to, you know, not necessarily like a grindy game, but a lot of their strengths are really maximized in a grindier game. Uh, that doesn't, you know, mean that they can't go fast, just means that they can fall back on, you know, being able to grind a lot more easily than some of the more all in, uh, you know, color combinations. Uh, you know, in addition, you know, kind of like what I touched upon before, uh, mana dorks, I think, just make your mulligans so much smoother in general. Um, you know, sort of having, I would say, guaranteed turn one acceleration, like in a lot of your hands or the majority of your hands, you know, leads to a lot of them being keepable, uh, especially if your deck runs on really sort of thin margins and you don't need to explode into a ton of mana. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would say that definitely the case in my opinion at least the case against sultai is overstated <laughs> yeah um it, it's certainly For still sure. a very very strong combination with an enormous list of pros 
Um, and realistically, like if your only con is that your like your top speed is not as high as like another color combination, well, I mean, sure, that's like one axis of the game that's very important to look. How at. How does it make the corners? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that's it, right? Um, how how does it corner? Uh, what's what's the handling like? Um, you know, there's there's so much there there's so many more aspects to EDH games and CDH games that uh, are not accounted for by uh, merely looking at gold fishing uh, and goldfish numbers. I guess the well, an, another thing too, though, is I mean, when, when we're when we're looking at Grixis. You know, the, and we're, we're, so we're comparing Sultai and saying that, you know, it's not as explosive as the things that you can do with red. But a lot of the win cons that you have access to don't require being explosive because they're so efficient. Right. So, you know, we, we've a, a pretty good chance of having a turn one dork, which means that if, if we're still running uh, Oracle plus consult, then, you know, all we need is, you know, really, two spells at that point to be able to to pull off a win. We we don't need to have access to Dockside Extortionist when really all you need is you know three mana to win. Whether you're going through a food chain or whether you're doing a Neoform plus a Consult or something like that. So even though the the ceiling for you know the amount of mana that you can expect to generate or the amount of cards that you can expect to see is not going to be on the same order, um, it's it's also not necessary. And I, I, I think that trying to compare the, you know, one type of game apparatus to another just in those terms um, leaves out some of the context of what is needed for those, for those uh, you know, different style of gameplay to be able to do what they want to do. Well, and um, in, in one thing that I wanted to touch on, too, is because we were talking about how, you know, Soul Tie um, kind of folds to sort of these board wipes or too permanent oriented, um, too creature oriented. Um, but when we're really talking about we're in the meta right now, like one of, uh, we, we talk, we're kind of moving into this, you're either on a fast deck or a rule of law deck to some degree, right? Um, deafening silence is a card that, you know, a food chain deck just kind of shrugs, shrugs its shoulders at and just kind of does its thing, right? Like, oh, no, I can't cast non-creature spells. I guess I'll just make infinite mana and recast my creature commander. Um, and and that's... Soltai has so many advantages that I think that, you know, and, and I kind of said this jokingly, where, you know, it's, you know, how does it corner? You know, I, I would say that these red at black-red X decks are the Mustangs that are really good drag cars, right? Or they're, you know, they're, they're really fast off the line. They have great top speed. Um, but, you know, Soul Tide to me is something a lot more akin to like a, you know, a rally car, if that makes sense, where it's going to go through the bumps of the road a lot more smoothly and it's going to be able to deal with the corners of what's going on in the game uh, much easier than something like, you know, Jund or Mardu, 
would would do. I, it's got def- uh, great mileage, <laughs> and yeah, I, uh, it, it can support an entire family. You can you can fit a few kids in there as well as the dogs. Hood, you can fit so much <laughs> reliable storage. I I think that um like sort of spitballing off of the point that that uh, you just made there. One of the things that like I've noticed playing Saltai versus Grixis or like most notably color combinations without green um is that you you much less frequently find yourself in the position of looking at your hand and going like I have no choice but to feed the crap out of this dock side. Yeah. I have no choice but to just, you know, try and jam out this early win. Like this hand doesn't do anything else other than just go for it is something that I experience way way less playing Sultai than playing Grixis, which I've played a lot of, or like even, you know, Jeskai or like any number of other other color combinations. If you like are going third and the player going first goes fish and the player going second goes fish, you're like, Alright, well I guess I'll play a dork on turn one, and then my commander on turn two, and I'll hold up one mana interaction. Maybe if these fish go away, I can launch this, like, mystical tutor in the end step or whatever, like, and and then we'll, you know, go from there once once the game's a little bit more normal. Um, it gives you freedom to adjust your yeah, tempo. Yeah, it gives you a lot of freedom. Like, when you said cornering, it sort of made me think, like, it doesn't, <laughs> it's not exactly cornering, but it definitely transitions game plans much more smoothly than a lot of... pivoting game plans. Yeah, pivot. Yeah, it's kind of like a corner, right? Um, <laughs> changing directions, you know. Um, much, much more smoothly than uh, Grixis or, uh, you know, w- one of the other color combinations, particularly ones that don't include green. Right. Um, you know, and you did just mention, you know, Jeskai and, you know, its lack of green. Um but it is a red deck, and it is a blue deck, but it doesn't have black. It's uh, red, white, and blue. So, you know, Spleen, when we're talking about Jeskai, and... Oh, are we talking about Jeskai now? Yes, <laughs> we're transitioning. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, have, I have one though. more thing to say about Sultai, though. Okay, okay, go back. Which is that I think, uh, I think it is one of the things that somewhat holds it back when people directly compare Grixis and... Uh, and Sultai is that Grixis has, I guess, depending on who you ask, at least two extremely strong commanders options now. And I think that the ones in Sultai don't do a great job at differentiating themselves and justifying themselves over four color options. Right. Like, why would you play Thrasios X? Like, why would you play Thrasios Silas or whatever? When you can play, play Thrasios Tim or Thrasios Vile Smasher, like either one of those, like yeah, Nadir has your your like food chain plan, but it was always very easy in Sultai playing one of the like Tassiger was probably the best Sultai commander for a very long time. It was very easy to just say like we'll just play Thrasios Timna or Thrasios Vile Smasher depending on which direction you want to take it. Um... And then Kazur Nukima, it's like, oh, we'll just play the first sliver. So, but like, 
the thought of playing with like Inala in Sultai, oh my god. If you could just neoform into Spellseeker and Oh yeah. Have creature tutors <laughs> and dorks oh, and all of this, like I so, think that I think that people's evaluations might shift if some of the if there were some really good Sultai commanders that justified themselves over four color archetypes. So you're you're saying we should freely evolve then? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you would attack no. the current meta so well. Please no. Yeah, <laughs> and then we'd have the Leovold meta, and the best deck to attack the Leovold meta is Leovold. Doesn't that sound healthy? <laughs> It'll be Flash all over again, but somehow worse. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you you ruined my seamless transition there, Morgan. That's... <laughs> I was I did such a good job of seamlessly moving that on. The essence like, of professionalism. I know. Um, what really but, makes it seamless, though, is then when you go back and call me out for ruining the transition. Right? That, <laughs> that, now we're like, there was a transition, and then we went back, and now we're transitioning again. Let me just plant a big flag here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Morgan, uh, what's your opinion of Jeskai? <laughs> Come on, I even gave you the flag feed in historically called america jeez america do i have to do all the work around here uh <laughs> so i think jeskai is historically has been one of the weakest color combinations i think for a long time sultai was good and boros was bad was was like the you know quick and dirty summary um obviously now red's getting tools and i think green hasn't got a ton in say in the last year like 2019 was very nice to green 2020 not so much um i, I would say 2017 through like 2019 green got big boosts. yeah um, 2021 is going to be the year of white probably so <laughs> cross your uh, fingers but <laughs> so blue and black are very strong everyone agrees on this they have been very strong for a very long time um, green has been very strong. I think it's losing a little bit of ground. Red has gained a lot of ground. So Jeskai historically has had the weakest color, which is white, and really the second weakest color, which is red. Um, which means that a lot of the Jeskai decks that we've seen have been very heavily blue focused. Right. Um... And it also doesn't have... It didn't get good partners. Uh, you don't have Thrasius or Timna. Which means that there wasn't... Like, those... Particularly Timna was so strong that she encouraged development in notably Abzan and Mardu. Where it was like, let's just see what sort of shells we can make. Because Timna does a lot of heavy lifting. Um, so Jeskai decks also tend to be very commander-reliant. Um, whether that the commander's your primary value piece with something like Elsha, uh, or a combo piece, which is also true in Elsha, or like a, a better example of a combo piece would be Vadrock, or Bralin and Shabraz. Um, the commander, like they've always been these very commander-focused decks, um, but it's... Like, it's pretty rough having three-color commanders. They're difficult to accelerate into, like, without without the fast mana needing to make three colors, right? Like, you can't 
play a soul ring and then play your four mana commander on turn two mm-hmm. or something like that. Like you're looking at playing at least one colored rock um, and you don't have the dorks cause you're not in green. So you don't have that level of consistent colored mana it acceleration. Runs, it runs into the same issue that like Mardu has, right? Where it's like, you kind of get left with this decision. Okay, well, I guess I have to feed the fish in order to like play the game. Yeah, exactly. But you don't have access to Black's tutors, um, which do a lot of smoothing in in Mardu, where you can kind of play. You know, you can play. Maybe you t- you put in some more disruptive elements that you can tutor for when you need them, or like you just find you. You build your deck, like, I'm going to cast Ad Nauseam very fast every game. Like, setting aside the fact that Blue doesn't have an equivalent card to Ad Nauseam, let's pretend that it did. You still couldn't cast it nearly as consistently sure on Sure does, turn it has three. Enter the Infinite. <laughs> no, but like, even... even Knowledge exploitation. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or, um, oh, what's the... Like, you know, Recurring Insight is the blue ad nauseum. Like, (laughs) you couldn't cast Recurring Insight, even if it actually cost blue, blue, and three instead of blue, blue, and four. You couldn't cast it on turn three nearly as frequently in Jeskai as you could cast ad nauseum on turn three in Mardu. Um, And so they've... You've been sort of forced into this commander-reliant, not-super-fast deck which has given everyone a super obvious access to hate you on, which is, I'm just not going to let you have your commander. And that's something that I, like, if you look at historical Jeskai decks, it's like, oh, you're playing Elisha? Well, I'm just going to, like, I'll tutor a mana drain, and I'll mana drain your Elisha. I'll get five mana on my turn. And, like, oh, you tapped a mana vault? Well, I guess you're out of the game for the next three turns. Um, Or, like, playing Kikar, which I've done a lot of. Kikar eats, like, considering what Kikar does, Kikar eats an absurd amount of removal. Like, you know, people look at a board, and there's, like, the Gitrug monster and Kikar, and they're like, Kikar's the problem. I'm like, <laughs> really? Um, so, like, it's that's always been an issue. Um, and then the fact that you, you can somewhat hate on creatures is nice um but then you're really big at feeding docksides and um and fish and fish and like in three colors you could still try and run uh things like your like your uh non-basic hate like your back to basics and blood moon like you can support them especially with uh builds being so heavily blue focused in jeskai typically um, but then you play a whole bunch of artifacts and a mana base with a ton of islands, and then you play Blood Moon, and then someone either gets a carpet or gets a dockside, and then mm-hmm. like all your work is just negated F. at the drop of a hat. So the things that it offers you in terms of hate that other color combinations don't, don't like it also feeds into the the workarounds that most decks have for that kind of hate. Um, well, and and somewhat you don't have the black, you don't have the black tutors to get the hate. Yeah. You right don't have well. the black tutors to get the hate, which means also you're spending like, if you're let's pretend you're just c- trying to combo with scepter. Like if you spend your enlightened tutor to get 
your blood moon, then yeah, you now don't have that enlightened tutor to get your scepter. And that's like, maybe you're playing like transmute artifact, whir of invention, and then like fabricate. Like, is that intuition? Where, you know, that's like, I mean, reshape is, is like, I'm looking at the Elsha list right now and like, uh, it runs like enlightened tutor. Like you said, it also runs Savine rack, which is good. Um, but you know, mystical tutor reshape, muddle the mixture and ends up being a tutor for you. Fabricate, transmute artifact, and uh, that rounds it out. I mean, those are uh, it doesn't I have guess intuition. Gamble. Yeah, intuition, intuition. Uh, intuitions. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there it is. Like if you look at particularly uh, not having green and the creature tutors, and then not having uh, black and the regular tutors spending a tutor to find some sort of interact or like proactive hate piece as opposed to some part of your win is always really rough like it, it is not a good feeling um because you have maybe 10 or like you know eight passable tutors and then you spend one you know and then you draw like two you draw like mystical and merchant scroll and you're like Okay, I guess Oof. now I have to mystical for the artifact tutor to find the scepter, or or you know mystical for something to find breach or whatever it is. Um, I think that yeah, just guys, just guys' weaknesses, unfortunately, like are. It's not just that they're you know. It just guys' weaknesses also interact very negatively with with its strengths like they right. they you know the things that that exploit its weaknesses are also counters to its strengths in many ways right. um which leaves it well and worse than maybe it seems like it should be well and we had talked about when we were talking about mardu about how white and red are like these like you know we were talking about how red is like this it feels weird to call it a supplementary thing in this in, in jeskai it really is because i mean it, it jeskai is i you know again like i said i'm looking at elsha right now we're talking 33 blue cards five white cards and 13 red cards it is a mono blue deck for all intents and purposes and that gets to run Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast in Final Fortune. Um, in, I guess, Breach and, you know, Extortionist. But who cares about those, right? Um, but, I mean, like, it... I will say this. I will say this about Jeskai. Is I will say that I think it's gotten a little bit better than it was previously than Commander Legends. Because now, with Hull Breacher, they get to have a... Um, what's it called? A notion thief plan without the notion thief, um, which is definitely a big help to them because now they get to use their wheels in a aggressive format or for an aggressive way that they previously wouldn't have done. I actually think that Jeskai is one of the colors least well positioned to take advantage of Hullbreacher because unless you're like going deep and playing things like Recruiter. It's completely, I mean, I don't disagree with it's you. It's completely inaccessible as a card. Like, but if we're like, looking at this Elsha list, you have... Like, Intuition is not a Hall Breacher. 
Gamble is like a hull breacher a decent amount of the time, and then hull breacher is a hull breacher, and that's it. You're done. Right. A yep. cobble. I'm I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts because we've been Pongo. Um, you know, Spleen and I have really dominated the last couple of things. You know, what are you thinking here on Jeskai? So, um, in when we were talking about Sultai and we were comparing it to Grixis and how we were saying before that, you know, Sultai is able to maybe, you know, shift gears and pivot and, you know, change the pace of the game when necessary in, you know, the case, you know, at, where, where Splane was talking about, you know, not feeding the dockside or not, not feeding the, the fish that's at the table, I mean, being able to kind of uh, change its tempo. Um, I, I, I think that Jeskai is even worse at uh, being able to adjust its tempo to what it is that's happening, what what the the changing landscape at the table is. I think that Jeskai lists tend to be very one-note, linear kind of game plans, and they all have, I mean, just because of the, the way that blue and red and white kind of come together, they, they're, they're very similar game plans. You want to be... They, they, they all seem to fold to rule of law. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want to be extremely active, play a lot of non-creature spells, um, and they're, they're, you know, like Spleen was saying, they're, they're very oriented around the commander, so if you can keep the commander off of the table, or if you can plant a rule of law, then their game is just done, and they have very poor access through their, their tutor suite to be able to get themselves out of those circumstances. So, you know, if somebody somebody gilded drakes your Elsha, you know, how do you go and find your gilded drake to get it back? Or, you know, how do you go and find the removal that you need to get it off the table and then recast it? Ban um, gilded drake. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's, they're, they're, it, it feels like their game plans are A, more vulnerable than the other color combinations, and B, less able to recover from somebody else exploiting those vulnerabilities. And I think that's why you we, we have a, a somewhat underrepresentation of Jeskai in in the metagame. Now, you know, the 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 commanders that that we have are are really interesting and fun commanders. I mean Elsha and Kaikar are, are both I mean they're they're fun to play, but I mean they also are, are really good at losing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that is Ouch. absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just, you know, I'm also looking at other lists that are on the database too. Like right now I'm looking at the, like the Vadrock list and you know, that one I don't know a lot about. I don't have a lot of, I mean the, the gist of it is, is you land a Vadrock, uh, you mutate it onto something. I mean, and then you, play high tide out of your graveyard or something. No, no. So the key thing is if you mutate on the, the combo is dockside Vadrock mm-hmm. and the bounce spell, right? You mutate right. Vadrock onto your dockside. You cast your bounce spell for free. You bounce the mutated dockside Vadrock combo to your hand. Repeat. Right. So again, if you can take away the Vadrock or if you can land a rule of law or, you know, a study or something like that, then you've made, life extremely difficult for that player it's i, I again I, I i think confirming the 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 one noteness of the 
the game plans that you see that open up in Just Guy, right. just and as a consequence of, of of what we have in that color pie. And you'll notice it's a dockside centric combo. Like right. this, the Vadrok deck is so desperate for <laughs> for dockside that it's running um, both recruiters. Right, I was gonna say, is it, in does like, it have both in like sides this, of the recruiters? This like spell slingy, instant and sorcery synergizing, right. like not play to the board at all deck that like realistically you probably might or like you might want to consider putting pyroclasms in it's like oh yeah let me just cast this imperial recruiter because that's my option for finding this combo piece hey i mean you know to be fair it also gets baron master wizard (laughs) it it, it gets you yeah but not both unless you're gonna tutor baron bounce your recruiter play it again Get Dockside. Oh, baby. I mean, Love this me is... some 1, 2, 3, 4, 11, 13 mana combos? Hey, you know, like they say it's with... Like what was it, Ryan? Past. What was it, Ryan said when we were talking about um, Goto? Is if, if you can count to... What's the number? Count to 11? Count to 11. Yeah. Yeah, you can get there. So, I mean, that's the same thing here, right? Ten um, fingers in my raging... What? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know so, you're going off as Goto, right? So with with this, you know, we kind of, you know, if we were to kind of put Jeskai alongside the other three that we've talked about, Pongo, um, you know, we've talked about Abzan, um, we've talked about Soltai and Mardu, you know, of the of those, which of these four so far, which one would would you want to be on Jeskai before any of those? Um, so I guess what I would say about Jeskai in general is that, you know, and, and this is probably more an observation about the format as a whole, uh, you know, blue as a color is debatably the strongest, deepest color in the whole format. Um, you know, I don't think that's an especially hot take. Some people would disagree for the sole reason that they would say most likely that they think black is a stronger color. Certainly, blue is um, the deepest. Color blue is certainly the I would, deepest. I would color. never disagree with that. I'm yeah. I'm part of the camp of people who actually thinks black is the best color. But. Right, but but you know we could talk about that as an entire episode. Um, <laughs> that is neither here nor there. Um, so when I look at Jeskai, what I see obviously is you know it has all of the tools it could possibly need. Uh, you know, and if we compare it with some of the other color combinations that we looked at today, like Absan, if we compare it even with Mardu, um, you know, access to red gives you, you know, a good act, a good amount of explosiveness and some really, really high impact, powerful cards. Uh, blue gives you stack interaction, bounce spells, so you can answer pretty much anything. And then white also gives you that potential to answer all of the cards that we've talked about that would get in your way if you're playing Jeskai, rule of law effects, you know, null rod type effects, et cetera, et cetera. You know, annoying hate bears, you just throw sorts of plowshares at it. The problem is, and you know, everybody touched upon this, is that we're playing 100 card singleton. And if you can't access these cards consistently, you know, if you can't just play any card you'd like, but for two mana extra, essentially, um, it, it becomes much harder to enact your game plan consistently. So, you know, to return to your question, Callahan, um, I would, and I think this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody, <laughs> I would definitely be playing Sultai above any of the color combinations that we've talked about thus far. The reason being that 
you know, like I said, and like I've touched upon multiple times today, you have all the tools you could possibly need. You have the depth of blue, but most importantly, you also have access to all those cards and you have access to them when you need them. And not only do you have access to your answers when you need them, but you also have access to your, you know, specific threats when you need them. So I think that, you know, more than anything, this is probably why we see certain dynamics, certain color combinations standing head and shoulders above the rest in CEDH. So let me, so let me ask this, this and I want to posit this to the table. Um, so if you were given a, of all the, the red, white X decks, which are, you know, if I'm correct, it's like Jeskai, as far as the ones we're talking about today, right? Um, between Jeskai and Mardu, you know, Morgan, which one of those two would you rather be on? Um, it depends on who I'm playing with. <laughs> I, I mean, going into a bl- going into a blind meta, which one would you rather be on? Uh, Jeskai. I need to trust the people I'm playing with. I'm not, if I'm not going to play blue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> but but I think just one of the other reasons about why like Jeskai maybe doesn't look great is that you know Pongo saying it has all the tools and it sort of does, but it doesn't ha- like it doesn't I don't offer it something that like really makes me want to play it over Grixis. Right. Whereas, so like, probable... like oh, Abzan sorry. does something different than, than <laughs> like, you know... So, even if even if I think Jeskai might be better than one of Abzan or Mardu, I'm not actually sure. I, I just, like, I look at a Jeskai deck and I'm like, but this doesn't... It doesn't justify running it versus running like Grixis. Like why am I playing Kickar and not Kess? Right? Like mm-hmm. Like yeah, Kickar's funny. It's a bird wizard. But you know, that joke only lasts a little bit. And then it's like I get to play Savine's reclamation for my intuition combos? Is that what white gets me over black here? Like Yeah, I mean that that goes without saying and I kind of touched upon that. I think another sort of major issue with Jeskai historically has just been you know, even putting aside the problem of being able to tutor your win conditions, most of the win conditions that you actually have are not particularly good. Um, I think that this has been remedied a little bit, you know, to some extent recently with the printing of Jessica, um, you know, coincidentally enough, um, you know, where now you can be playing sort of infinite mana combos and you have an outlet in the command zone for your infinite mana. Um, So, you know, in theory, this is something that kind of gets rectified with the printing of new Jeskai commanders. Uh, You know, it might not just be a function of the color combination per se, but just, you know, the commanders that we currently have in addition. Um, You know, I I think if I was going to answer, Callahan, your question, specifically, you know, Mardu versus Jeskai, you know, I kind of sympathize with what Morgan is saying, where, like, I don't know that I would necessarily trust other people if I'm playing Mardu, but at the same time, if I'm playing Mardu, I think, and, you know, it kind of like, if, if you understand kind of the philosophy, the philosophy of that wedge, then you probably understand this whole idea is, you know, you're kind of throwing caution to the wind <laughs> to a large extent. <laughs> you know, you're, you're kind of like choosing to be the person who needs to be answered as opposed to the person who's going to be answering things. So, you know, from that perspective, you know, I do like to play my blue decks and I do like to play stack based interaction. 
but I also like to be the one asking the question a lot of the time. So, yeah, you I know, get, if I was, I, I think I would pick Mardu. <laughs> I would pick Mardu if I was recommending an unknown player what to play into an unknown meta. But me okay. personally, I would want to be on Jeskai. Okay. So then Cobble, you know, it kind of comes to you then, like, you're the tiebreak. Would you rather be on going into a blind meta? Um, you you know nothing about this meta. You're going into a tournament. Are you playing in your two options? Or you can play Jeskai or Mardu. Which one are you picking? I pick Mardu every day of the week. Every day um, of the week. Every day of the week. <laughs> even um, Sundays. Even Sundays, yes. Because... So what black gets you in this case, I, so I'm going to presume that if I'm on Mardu, we're talking about Timna as, as one of the commanders, which means that you've got a lot of forgiveness for being disrupted. You've got a lot of forgiveness for maybe not getting off to the fastest start. Maybe mulli- your mulligans weren't as, as great. If you can, you know, just the, the, the card advantage that is baked into having your commander that you know that you most of the time will be able to get into play on turn two, um, just that on its own is uh, something that I'd rather have as a, a thing that I can depend on um, rather than kind of the, the coin flip of, well, you know, do, do you get the right seven or six or whatever to start off under Jeskai to get your, your game plan underway? And, you know, you're, the, the thing with, with access to black is all right, you're, you're going to have the tutors to be able to go and get the very specific pieces that you want, either to counter what it is that's going on at the table or to go and uh, perpetuate, you know, uh, progress your own game plan. You also have speed with all the rituals that you have access to with you. The, the combination of red and black uh, with their explosivity is, is just huge. And that's not only going to give you faster starts to begin with, but also faster um, recovery times when somebody else upturns your, your 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 game plan as well so uh i those are those all fit well into the style of play that i want to be playing um i've i've played you know uh, I've, I've played elsha i've played a lot of decks that have had a uh, just guy as as the subset you know in 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 the colors that it had access to and just guy was kind of like the a, a big part of what that those those decks were doing, and uh, for for me personally, I just I want to have the the determinism that you get from having black and from having Timna. Okay. Those things are giving the reliability that I want to have when I'm when I'm going into a game. So now and I mean, I mean, and, and, and the, the way you guys, you know, you know, yes, you don't have access to blue, but I mean, you've got you've got access to silence. You've got access to I mean, Orem's chant. You've got access to Angel's Grace, the, uh, Angel's Grace, Red Red Elemental Blast, Pyroblast, Deflecting Swat. Um, I mean, it's it's not a huge number of stack interaction spells, but they are there. With they're they're there, Ricochet and they can be trap. got them. <laughs> okay, maybe not that one, um, but I mean, with 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 you know some well-informed play those 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 i mean i've seen people play mono white with you know stack interaction and you know knowing 
having enough knowledge about what's going on at the table to to know when to fire off a silence on somebody else's upkeep or something like that um, can go a long way. Right. And I think it's it shouldn't be discounted that those things are tools that are available to Mardu. Yes, they're not going to be able to play the the straight ahead interact with what everybody's doing on the stack game that people can when when they have access to blue, but they're not completely out of the game altogether. Right. There's a lot of things that they can still do. So as we kind of come into um, the last bit of the episode here, as we kind of come to Teamer, um, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, we talked about about black-green, we talked a lot about, you know, black-white. Uh, now we come to Teamer, and Cobble, you know, where is Teamer? You know, I know that, like, Thrasios Crom is something people have talked about, the deck and we i talked about this in our tier list video the deck that i've really seen kind of pop onto the scene and be good is uh paco and so you know what <laughs> is it to start that a fight. <laughs> paco's only good when people aren't playing dranith magistrate i i i have had the unfortunate experience of having to play lavinia against paco more than once and it's a miserable time okay but i feel um, like that says more about lavinia than it does about paco <laughs> oh man so anyway so, that, wasn't, so, that so, wasn't even so, mean that was just true yeah it hurts doesn't where's it where's the lie though <laughs> <laughs> so cobblepot you know where where does Teamer kind of lie within this conversation? So Teamer is in a weird place because it kind of straddles the desire to play a creature-oriented game plan and a spell-slinging game plan. And you could say that, well, it can kind of do either, um, but it either is way all in on the creature game plan if you're looking at something like Animar, Um or it's something that is much less on the creature plan and wanting to be kind of more all in on, on the spell slinging, a la something like Paco or something like Calamax. Um, I don't know enough about the Thrasios and Crown builds to be able to speak uh, cogently as to what they want to do, but the, what the colors have access to seems to me like it's, it's a little bit split in what the incentives are for you to be doing. So you don't have the black tutors, so it means that, well, you've got... Blue's tutors are going to be giving you access to, to looking up your, your instants and sorceries, and your green tutors are going to be all about getting you creatures. So either you are, you know, looking to, to, to perpetuate that that spell slinging game plan or you're looking to do something that's creature oriented um, in, in either case it's not going to be as fast as anything that has access to black because you're not reliably going to be tutoring those things up and you don't have the, the the same ritual capacity that you do because you don't have culling the week and cabal ritual and dark ritual and so on and so forth you do have all of the 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 turn one one mana dorks which are allowed, you know, you know, they're they're going to give you better consistency for your mulligans, and kind of the what we've said about all of the, the other, color groupings that have access to green. Um, this is kind of like the one the the one color grouping that you know has has red and blue, so it's got kind of like all of the the stack based interaction along with 
green. Um, but it, 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 it doesn't, the way, it, so for instance, you know, Jeskai points you in a direction very clearly. This is, this is the way that you go, um, with, with this, this color combination there, there, there's not really that with teamer and because it doesn't have that explosivity, it's, it's not going to be as fast for getting onto the game plan as, as things that have black and, um, the, the types of games that it's going to be playing, it, you know, it's not going to be running Tasa's Oracle and consult. So now it's going to be on the, seasons past loops, right? Well, I mean, so so you 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 look at the win cons that you see in in, in teamer lists, and they are, um, I'll, I'll say you know idiosyncratic or you know they're 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 not the the typical kinds of win cons that you see that are used in the other co- other com- color combinations, and they tend to be win cons that have a much higher startup cost. So you know if you're doing you know conspicuous snoop and kiki jiki, or you know dual caster mage with ghostly flicker you know these are six mana plus combinations that you you need to to get those off of the ground those are not you're not going to be hitting those in the first two or three turns of the game most of the time and you know you, you you might luck into getting enough mana to get one of those off the ground but you don't have the tutor support to make it happen consistently so it it sits in this kind of weird place that to in 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 my view um it 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 doesn't really know or doesn't have a real incentive to to go in a particular direction right i don't know who who knows a lot about thrasios and crom and can speak substantively to 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 the type Um, of game that it wants i know not i i know a decent amount about thrasios and crom so there's been that's definitely a deck that's had a lot of iterations um, there's been several sort of anti-creature versions, like Thrasio survives pyroclasms, um, and obviously Crumb survives pyroclasms. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think those somewhat fell out of favor with the printing of Dranith Magistrate, because then um, pyroclasms became a lot less good. First of all, people have been playing less dorks, and then the like the biggest thorn that was a creature had three toughness so then it was like okay maybe focusing on pyroclasms and keeping creatures off the board isn't great and we there was a period where we saw less timna um timna i guess is making a bit of a resurgence with commander legends because she's one of the best things to pair random new partners with um but uh so then it became sort of this it was a little bit more anti-artifact. Um, I know Looter Scooter had, I believe it was called a Dirtle Control. Um, and, like, I, I think it was eventually taken out, but to give you an idea, there at one point, at least, there was, in fact, a Rurikthar in that deck. Um, oh, wow. I think that eventually got taken out. Um, yeah, it looks like it's... But what's, like, what, what would you, if you could, you know, in a tweet you know, give an elevator pitch for what the, the archetype for the deck is. Like, what what is the deck want um, to be doing? It's The deck wants to play control, uh, leveraging the fact that it has... Uh, leveraging big mana from creatures and the fact that it has two card advantage engines in the command zone. Right. It's a Thrasios um, deck through and through. 
Yeah, like it's a Thrasios deck, and like Chrom actually fits very nicely in a Thrasios deck because if you're trying, like you know, you're you're playing things like Priest of Titania, and you're like, this is gonna tap, you know, for a Thrasios activation. Well, guess what? That also makes your Chrom pretty easy to cast. Um, I think the win cons have always been a bit of an issue with that deck. Like, I'd love in it to be on. Like, it seems to me, I look at the list take out the win conditions from the the deck and then you go like man this deck really looks like it wants to be on collector roof and null rod and mm. like you know meltdown and then and then you're like oh but we're probably winning with dockside awkward um right and i think that's like teamer has the tools to be anti artifact except then you have, like, your best win con is going to be Dockside. Or, like, your best win cons are often going to involve Dockside, which is obviously a bit of a nombo with being anti-artifact as a general rule. Right. right. Um, so I think that that's, like, what, possibly the biggest awkwardness with Teamer. Um, okay. Here's the the real... Um, the real best teamer deck and uh, nobody at me on this this is definitive this oh is boy. non-disputable is uh omnath food chain the best teamer deck how, how could this be the best teamer deck if it didn't even appear in our tier list video <laughs> um, this is true so <laughs> i think i think that it's that good I we didn't that, need to say it uh like teamer does definitely have some interesting commanders though first of all one that uh wasn't really touched on thrasios rogak um is like if you've ever wanted to play a polymorph deck this is it <laughs> because not obviously zero mana commander polymorph obvious synergy but the other thing right. is that um zero mana commander tidespout tyrant perhaps slightly less obvious synergy which is that one of the big issues with polymorph decks is that you've, when you're polymorphing into Tidespout Tyrant, which is the best thing you can polymorph into, you've always needed to have, like, two, like, either a zero drop and a mana positive rock. Sometimes you could get away with, like, Crypt and something that costs one, but you were really right. limited on, like, what exactly you needed to have with this Tidespout Tyrant to actually go infinite. But now with Rogak and Thrasios, you have super easy enabling on Mox Amber. Um, Rogak himself is a zero drop, which means that um, you can like just Soul Ring or just just Soul Ring, just Mana Vault, just Mana Crypt. Uh, those all just get there on their own. Um, right. Assuming you have the mana to recast Rogak, which is two mana, which is really not that much. Um <laughs> And then, you only need to do it one time. Yeah, and started. then you're not playing creatures, so like pyroclasms are, are very free in the deck. Um, or or if you're worried about slightly bigger things, you know you can play like your rolling earthquakes or whatnot, um, and kill your Thrasios. That's really not an enormous deal a lot of the time. Um, you have the cons are those also looking to do like Cloudstone Curio? Um, well, no, because you a can't, lot of times you can't play Dockside, right? If you're on ah. Polymorph. 
And, and Curio doesn't bounce artifacts, and otherwise it would artifacts. be so broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so that like that is the one that is one somewhat unfortunate thing is that that would also like Dockside Rogak Curio is a nice combo, but you can't play Dockside if you're on Polymorph. That makes sense. Um, the other thing that I think I, I actually think that is be is being slept on is Calamax, and so. Here's here's my my weird convoluted reasoning. Feel free to at me on this one. Um, Calamax is a one card combo with Court of Calling. Now initially you were it was just a Kiki combo. You play Kiki. You could play Zealous Conscripts because it was the one that had the most utility, and you're casting Court for five anyways, and it's getting doubled, uh, so it's no additional cost. Or you could play Corridor Monitor because it was the cheapest one, or you know, you could play Pestermite because it had Flash or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But now, like, th- the thing about that combo is that Cord's an instant, but if you have to go to combat to win, Cord's basically not an instant. Right. Uh, and it also, right. it taps Calamax for free because it has Convoke. Um, but with the printing of Coercive Recruiter, is that what the card's called? I believe it's called Coercive Recruiter. Uh, yeah, Coercive Recruiter in Commander Legends, which is whenever Coercive Recruiter or another pirate enters the battlefield under your control, gain control of target creature until end of turn, untap that creature, gains haste, and becomes a pirate. Uh, the enormous thing about this is that instead of just making infinite copies of itself, it makes infinite co- with Kiki, it makes infinite copies of itself and steals and infinitely untaps all the creatures on the board. Uh, which means that if there's a Thrasios in play, you win <laughs> if there's like any sort of outlet you can just win if there's a dork you're making infinite mana um and you can do this like on everyone's turn you just take all the dorks untap them all make them infinite make infinite mana and then like it's mu- if there's any sort of thing you can do to draw cards or whatever it's much easier to turn that into a win at instant speed whereas before you would like you couldn't go off over top of somebody else's combo because you'd make infinite zealous conscripts and then be like, all right, well, these don't do anything because I can't attack you with them. Um, and so I think that that actually gives Calamax, like it was to the point that Court of Calling actually doesn't appear in many people's Calamax's lists. Calamax lists. Wow. But I think that with the printing of Cores of Recruiter, that's like very wrong. And. Like that actually gives the deck an enormous amount of of reach, and you are in blue, so instants are at least somewhat accessible. Yeah, well, a I mean, bit. yeah, <laughs> got your mystical it, it, tutor, right? But but I mean, yeah. you can also you can tutor chain, like pretty sure. You, you have spell seeker, which finds mystical. You have um, you have like merchant scroll if you want it. Um, you can also set up things with in- like doubled intuitions are very very good. So right. I'm going to posit a question then to kind of wrap up this discussion a little bit. Is barring soul tie, right? Because I think we've all kind of established of these five, soul tie is the best. Is that fair to assume we've all kind of landed there? Of the right? wedges, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Soul tie out of the picture. 
you have to decide between you're going into a blind meta again. I'm going to pause at the same question, but this time with everything except soul tie. Um, Cobble, which one are you taking into a blind meta? Man, um, it's a tough question between either Mardu or Abzan for me. Okay. Um, I, I do like, you know, for all the reasons that I illustrated before, I, I am a big fan of, of, of Mardu farm lists. And um, I, I like the, just the game plan that they have. Um, that said, I also like stacks-oriented, grindy <laughs> strategies. And as a, a former Corridor player, um, you know, I'm very familiar with, with what Abzan has available to it. I mean, given the two, I think, I, I, I do think that, that for me, I think Mardu still edges it out. Okay, and I think Mardu. that's the one that I would choose. Um, you know, Pongo, what do you think about it? So if I'm going into it with the intention of maximizing my win rate, I'm probably bringing Mardu. Um, the color combination I'm bringing, if I just kind of want to have fun and play the commander I'm most excited about playing, this may come as a surprise. Drum roll, please. Teamier. Okay. And I would probably be playing um, Animar. Oh <laughs> No. I, I, now, are you playing Harvest ugh. Animar, or are you doing Imperial Animar, or what's the I mean, configuration? I, you obviously, you play Imperial Recruiter in your Animar deck, but no, I'd be playing uh, Weird Harvest as well. I don't see why you wouldn't, personally. Um, but no, mainly, my reasoning why is that, you know, and I think I touched upon this in the tier list video, I just love getting onto the board, um, and I love, like, slinging creatures as, as if they're spells i think that animar is kind of like flavorfully the most teamer commander you know you could almost imagine um he kind of takes like that like simic side and almost merges it with the blue red side by like kind of turning your creatures into like these spells that you're kind of like storming out with so i don't know you know that it, it, it's not a purely competitive perspective on the okay. matter <laughs> which is why i prefaced it by saying that i would certainly pick mardu if i was trying to maximize my win rate so spleen you know uh, your facial expressions there it's well, I was just you gonna have say, some thoughts I, I, I don't know the most quincent quint quintessentially jesus for some reason i can't say that word quintessentially teamer commander has to be riku right so it, Riku was in the back of my mind. Um, I mean, like, it's not competitively playable, but quintessentially teamer. I feel like I have to go with Riku. I mean, actually, by its definition, it is actually Sarkon or uh, Sor. What what's its name? Dragon Claw. Sarek Dragon. Oh, Sarek. Sarek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarek. Right. I mean, he is the most teamer of all the teamer commanders, Dance. technically speaking. He punches bears. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, but Riku is boring. Oh, and absolutely. Animar is but very spicy and cool. Wait, but what about and, and Riku inhabits that guys? space of Riku, Riku definitely inhabits that space of of being kind of split and not knowing whether it wants to be a spell slinger desk. Dick, you know, uh, if it wants to be playing everything on the stack or if it wants to be doing a creature oriented strategy, right? right. Kind of schizophrenic. <laughs> I've in that definitely way. been uh, handled inappropriately by Riku. 
when I started playing when I started playing Commander, uh, Sylvan Primordial was legal, and one of my friends played Riku. So uh, oh lord, <laughs> yeah, it was like yep, that'll do it. Ba- basically, it was like either th- there were like three ways the game would en- would go. Either he'd get Riku and Sylvan Primordial, he'd destroy all our lands, and we'd be like, "This is the worst," or we he'd get Riku and not have Sylvan Primordial, and then it would be fine. But since we couldn't tell if he was going to get Sylvan Primordial before he got it, we were just like, "You're not having Riku, like just no." <laughs> so then, <laughs> right. like, basically, he never had any fun because if he had fun, we weren't going to have any fun. Um, but anyways, uh, I will now answer the actual question and say that I would pick Teamer. Um, I'd probably okay. play Calamax and either go over the top with instant speed win cons when people thought that instant speed win cons were banned in April uh, or <laughs> uh, one punch people and then play the opening to one punch man because that combo will never not be funny the combos <laughs> you attack with Calamax and have him not die which is not hard uh, and then you cast gravitic punch which is a sorcery oh that is target creature deals damage equal to its power to any target. Then you cast a copy spell. And since your Calamax is tapped, and uh, you Calamax copies the first instant you cast, that copies the copy spell, which targets the original. You repeat that infinitely to put infinite counters on Calamax, and then your last two copies of your copy spell copy the Gravitic Punch. You have one for each player. Wow. That's uh, I mean, technically it's three punches, but, you know. Counts as one punch, right? Yeah, for sure. Have you gotten that three to go off in the wild? Consecutive Once. one punches. <laughs> I, I really, I've played like three games on Calamax, though. I, I, uh, I, the problem is I played too much webcam and not enough cockatrice, and it's just so much effort to assemble decks right. to play. You know what? One thing I will say this about Calamax, and I'll say this. I genuinely think this. I feel like, at the very least, I mean, it's a deck that runs like three visits. It's a lot more affordable now than it was a month ago. Yeah, three visits is not stupid money. It's it's like two bucks, which is honestly still absurd, but less absurd than like eighty or whatever the heck it got to. Uh, it is original printing. Um, at this time is one hundred thirty-seven. Oh my gosh! And that is a drop down. from where it was. Okay. It, it went down so a little bit. It went down a little bit, but like yeah, it didn't go down a lot. Wizards, are you, are you MTG, paying attention? Let me get MTG stocks here to get the actual like look of it. Yeah. Just for just for the good, sake of Pongo, like actually. Good point. That's a whole different video. Um, Portal wait, Three Kingdoms. But if it didn't collapse the price, does that mean that they could so, reprint? Shh, don't mention Capture? it. Um, so it, it actually spiked right around Double Masters, and then it's actually higher now than it was before Ikoria. Right. It's actually gone up in price, the original three visits. So that is... It is actually trending upward, which is hilarious. So... Yeah. But anyway, so that kind of wraps up our discussion on the wedges side of the three color um, 
color combinations. Com- combinations. I keep wanting to say pairings. Uh, but that kind of wraps that up. Uh, next week, we're going to be back. We're going to be talking about the shards next week. So make sure you uh, check that out. Um, Morgan, before we take off, where can people find you at? Uh, they can find me. Uh, I'm a part of Team Turn 3 with Pongo, where we stream uh, CEDH usually Sunday evenings at 7 Eastern at twitch.tv slash Team Turn 3. Uh, or I'm part of the Into the North podcast, uh, which can be found on YouTube as well as wherever you get your podcasts um, at Into the North for the Into the North podcast. Uh, or on Twitter at at Into the North Pod. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today, and thank you for listening. And uh, like I said at the beginning of the video, uh, well, episode, I suppose, um, make sure to check out our Patreon. And uh, like I said, we got a couple different tiers in there. Uh, one is uh, gets you ac- they both get you access to our Discord server, uh, where you can talk with uh, Spleenface in there, and Cobblepot, and me, and Pongo, and Phoenix, and everybody else. Um, so with that, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next week.